0: Good morning. morning. Um, I want to add, Janae mentioned uh, fasting from complaining. I love that. Um, You might also fast from social media on uh, Thursday, which I'm guessing may be even more challenging. I don't know. (laughs) But just think about that, right, as well. there, There are other ways to fast. Okay? Because the point is of, uh, the point of prayer and fasting is not about giving up something, it's to draw near to someone who is God. OK? So to draw near to the one who loves us and is the, the one alone who is able to heal Noah. Okay? All right. So hear the word of God from uh, Lamentations, chapter one verses 1 through 3 and verse 8, and then Lamentations 3, 19 through 30. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly, She weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her. In the midst of her distress, Jerusalem has sinned greatly, and so has become unclean. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her nakedness, and she herself groans and turns away. And now, Lamentations 3, 19 through 30, I remember my afflictions And my wandering, the bitterness and the gall, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the great Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, St. Teresa of Avila lived from 1515 to 1582, and she died at the age of 67. Uh, She was canonized as a Catholic saint in 1622 by Pope Gregory. In September of 1970, she was proclaimed by Pope Paul VI as the first female doctor of the church. But here's the thing. Teresa was a mess. She liked to be flattered. Uh, She liked that a lot. (laughs) She She was likable, right? And she liked to be liked. Earlier, earlier in her life, she was all about boys and clothes. <laughs> she struggled to pray. When she was 41 years old, a priest asked her to go back to prayer. And here's what Teresa of Avila said. St. Teresa of Avila said, I was more anxious for the hour of prayer to be over than I was to remain there. <laughs> Ever struggle with prayer? Right? Right? Teresa sympathizes with you. She once said, all the trials we endure cannot be compared to the interior battles. So one time she was riding in a wagon, which hit a rut and dumped her into a muddy creek. As she stood, she said, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, it is no wonder you have so few. I love that honesty, right? I mean, have you ever cried out to God like that? At the same time, she developed an approach to prayer, I think that led to her sainthood, right, that that was powerful. So here here are 10 tips from Teresa of Avila about prayer. Silence and solitude help prayer. God dwells within us. God dwells within each of you. Humility bolsters prayer. Attentiveness is vital. Prayer is not thinking much. It's pouring out your life to God. Prayer is a habit. Assisus helps prayer. Now, think about a marathon runner training for a marathon, right? Okay? So that that self-discipline, that's assisus. Helps prayer. Prayer means love. Prayer needs courage. Prayer builds friendship with God. Wow, I love that. All right? So today's sermon title is Change Smells Like Grief. <laughs> I want to start there. The world has changed dramatically around us. Society has changed. Uh, some of you remember. Uh, when Sundays and Wednesdays were protected by the church. For the church. No longer. Uh, By by 2045, white people in the United States will be a minority. So how are we going to embrace immigrants? Many are coming from Central and South America and from Asia. Uh, Many practice a robust faith in Jesus Christ. With the transformation of the churches around the country, happen if churches embraced immigrants. Here's a quote from an article on CNN. The world's largest megachurch is not in the US, it's in South Korea. The Yoido Full Gospel Church has weekly attendance of 600,000 people. <laughs> okay? Yeah, amazing, right? We watch what's happened in Europe with declining churches. And we think about, well, is that going to happen here? We think about the rise of the nuns who have no affiliation to any kind of church. The nuns are now about 30% of the population, especially among younger people. About 64% of Americans call themselves Christians. But 50 years ago, that was 90%. The COVID-19 pandemic hit the church hard. A Gallup poll in in 2021 revealed that church membership has fallen below 50% of the population for the first time. Some of you remember with this congregation had over 1,200 in attendance or at least 1,200 members. No longer. Some, Some of you recognize that that we are in a post-Christian society. Some of you are grieving Curtis's loss. He was an outstanding pastor and a leader of this congregation. He's gone to Houston. The days are gone when everyone wanted to come to church because that was what society expected, right? Now we must build relationships with people. We, we have to, before they consider coming to our church, we need to treasure them. We need to love them. And that means we, we need to get from the front porch, we're not in the house, to the living room, which is formal, to the kitchen, where in most cases people become part of our family. And that means we're going to have to create time and space and energy to actually build relationships with people who are not in our community. And that means we may have to trim some things from our church calendar. That's challenging for any congregation because change does indeed smell like grief. Because we grieve what once was that's no longer. But we trust in God who holds all of us in his hand. God can lead us. God can guide us. God can help us discern God's will. Now, many of us are familiar with Lamentations 3, and 23, although I'm, I, I suppose some are not, right? Because of the great, Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We're going to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness today, and I'm excited about that. It's one of my favorites. Today I wanted to include other passages from Lamentations. Now, a little trivia... About Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 4, and chapter 5 each have 22 verses. Each verse begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Daleph, etc. Chapter 3 has 66 verses, and each stanza begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet we see this in several Psalms in the Old Testament as well Psalms 9 10 25 34 37 111 112 119 145 now that's trivia but I don't want you to miss that lamentations was written as a lament yes we celebrate that because of God's great love we are not consumed we celebrate that His compassions never fail. We celebrate that God's compassions are new every morning. We celebrate God's faithfulness. But don't miss this. Lamentations was written as a lament. I have several Jewish friends, and they, have, they seem to be able to have an argument with God and still believe in God. I think Protestants in particular of evangelical traditions, struggle to do that. We come to church, we say, everything's fine, right? I'm fine, I'm great, I'm awesome, I've never been better. At the same time, we may be hiding deep wounds. Did you know that two-thirds of the Psalms are also laments? Now think about verses like these. Psalm 137, verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. I mean, the the, the people who had been exiled to Babylon are weeping as they remember their exile and the glories of Zion and the temple, which have now been destroyed. Psalm 137, verses 8 and 9. Say these words. Daughter Babylon doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Well, that's bright. Psalm 137, 8 and 9 is what's called an imprecatory psalm. The author wishes evil even on the little children of Babylon. An imprecation is a uh, a curse, a wish to do someone ill. The writer of Psalm 137 wishes to bash the heads of the infants of Babylon against the rocks. My guess is that you have been there sometime in your life. You've wished someone ill. It may have been a spouse that betrayed you or a best friend or someone who was a thorn in your side in high school or college or at work or maybe right now, maybe, maybe someone in this church, right? Rabbinical sources link the authorship of Psalm 137 to Jeremiah and Jeremiah was the author of Lamentations as well. The, so- the Septuagint suggests that so- the psalm is for David But that starts to get down in the weeds, right? It misses the point of the psalm. Psalms 7, 35, 55, 58, 59, 69, 79, 109, 137, and 139 all contain imprecations. What's happening there? Why does the scripture, the authoritative word of God, contain these curses on people? Because the people thought them, and they said them, and they expressed them to God and others. Right, here's one I, I didn't include in Pro presenter this morning from Psalm 58:6. "Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Lord, tear out the fangs of these lions. Wow, What do you do with that feeling? Right, to, to who do you go? How do you process our rage at life's challenges? You you may have never wished to bash the heads of Babylonian infants against a rock, but the, the, the author of Psalm 137 did. It doesn't mean he did it, but he wished it. He said it out loud. He said it before God, and it is still in the Scripture that we consider authoritative. inspired by God but you've probably had a similar wish for someone somewhere you know again how do we get to the place of believing in God as our Jewish friends do but having an argument with God that's so difficult for us this is more than a matter of perspective this is a matter of faith Do we have a strong enough relationship with the God who saved us through Jesus Christ? Can we ride out the storms of life? Can we experience God's grace and mercy and still understand our brokenness? Can we believe in God, as Teresa of Avila did, and still argue with God and have the honesty to say, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, it is a wonder you have so few. I know this from Jude 1, 24 and 25, and this will be our benediction this morning. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. At the same time, if a blow comes to your life, a significant blow, a life-threatening blow, or threatening the life of someone you know and love, will you and I stand in God's grace? Now, consider Psalm 88. All 18 verses, okay? A psalm, a song, the psalm, a psalm of the sons of Korah for the director of music According to Mahalath-Lanat, a masculine of Heman the Ezraite, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles. My life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart for the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, when, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day I spread my hands out to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me all day long. They surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me Friend and neighbor, darkness is my closest friend. That was bright and hopeful. I think uh, some scholars of the Book of Psalms suggest that Psalm eighty-eight is the most depressing psalm. But again, you and I have been there. I remember a member of, of the uh, the church in Lee Summit when I was there for 23 years, who left an an angry voicemail slamming me and challenging every aspect of my ministry to the church. My two kids, Chris was in the fifth grade and Emily was in the eighth grade. They heard that voicemail before I did. That individual has died. And I've tried to do the work of forgiveness but I wish I could have had a conversation with him face-to-face. I was a a volunteer police chaplain with the Lee Summit Police Department uh, for 21 years. Um, Caleb Horner uh, was married to Misty Horner. And uh, Caleb had this... He he didn't believe in any kind of pharmaceutical uh, intervention. Uh, He didn't believe in doctor's care. It, it It was kind of an interesting... Uh, weird expression of Christianity, almost like Christian scientist. He so so when when Misty was pregnant, they did no well baby checkups. They did no checkups of any kind. Um, basically, what ended up happening was when she uh, got uh, got came near the time of birth, he did an, an at home episiotomy and the baby died and then two weeks later Misty died of sepsis I know a woman who was paraded before her Assembly of God congregation for wearing provocative clothing her father had demanded that she wear the clothing he was sexually abusing his daughter but the congregation didn't discipline him because they didn't know. You know, you've certainly been there at some point in your life. Wolves in sheep's clothing are real. Doubtless, you've had a moment of pain in your experience that rose to this level. Change does indeed smell like grief, We grieve the way things once were. We wish they would come back. But we also know that things will never be the way that they once were. They won't be for those of us who have been deeply wounded. But we can still believe in God and have an argument with God. I'm sharing this in honesty. My patron saint is the guy in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, who said, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I struggle with this. I want to be the guy who has it all together. I want to be liked and flattered like Teresa of Avila. But this is a work in progress for me. Would you pray for your flawed transitional pastor? And by the way, would you pray for our next lead pastor who will be equally flawed, but perhaps in different ways? Look at Psalm 88. Verses 1 and 13. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. But I cry to you for help, Lord. In in the morning, my prayer comes before you. And then the next verse, 88, 14, everything seems to go off the rails. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? This is a cry of despair, of darkness. At the same time, the psalmist does not stop believing In his despair, in his darkness, he doesn't understand why God has rejected him. He doesn't stop believing either. I wonder what it would be like for us to have that kind of faith, what some people call sticky faith. Would we share our doubts and our problems with those close to us in church? Would we believe in God and still have arguments with God? Would we dare to share not just what is going well but what is going poorly? Keep in mind, I'm not suggesting that we have this kind of relationship with everyone in the church. Jesus had three, Peter, James, and John, in his inner circle. And there was one, John, the disciple Jesus loved. You'll find that in the Gospel of John, 13, 23, 19, 26, 22, 21, 7, 21, 20, That doesn't mean that Jesus didn't love all the disciples. He did. John 15, verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. That's plural. Jesus loved all his disciples. But for whatever reason, Jesus loved John. Perhaps because John was just a teenager when he joined the apostles. Who do you love in this congregation? Who could you go to? Dr. Lewis Smeads was one of my teachers at Fuller Seminary. He was amazing. He would say, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner is you. Where could you go in this congregation to process the challenge of forgiveness? He would also say, and I'm paraphrasing, to forgive is to take the wheat and the chaff together. Keep what is worth keeping and with a breath of kindness blow the rest away in grace and mercy. Where could you go to process those kind of things with someone in this congregation? Not just the pastors, right? We're available. Right? Not just the elders, the deacons, or the Stevens ministers. They're available. But think of that one person in this congregation, that one or two or three people that you could go to today, right now, and process your rage, your doubts, and the people who have hurt you. Because that is what creates a faith that sticks. Yes, the world has changed around us. In many worlds, ways, the, wor- the world is alien to us. But parents are having that kind of challenge with their kids as well, right? If you're older... You are an alien in this world. All right? We, we live in a social media generation. Even older people have a Facebook page. Some go far beyond Instagram, Snapchat, WhatsApp, TikTok, Twitter. And then new forms of social media are developing all the time. Clubhouse, Twitter Spaces, Instagram Reels, Spotify Room. Discord, Be Real, Spotify Live, Patreon, Substack, Telegram, Polywork, Mastodon, Locket, Tribal, Hive Social, Gas, Co-host, Counter Social, and Twitch. How do you keep up? You don't. You lean into God. There will always be some new fad. There will always be some new trend. There will always be some new form of social media. There will always be but the God who knit each of us together in our mother's wombs, the God who called us and chose us as the elect, the God who knew the days of our lives before one of them came to be, the God who claimed us through Jesus Christ, the God who sealed us with the Holy Spirit, the God who loves us and calls us by name, the God who is an advocate for us through Jesus Christ, that God is faithful. That God will hold us, keep us, and love us. That God will not let us go. That means we can go to God with our rage, our questions, our hurts, our doubts, and our despair. We can go to God with our hopes, our dreams, and our visions of the future. And that means we can go to someone else as well. Yes, we live in a challenging time. Yes, the world has changed around us. Yes, things are not like they used to be. God knows and still holds us. We can pour out everything to God, the good and the bad together. We can find someone else with whom to share. Do you want a sticky faith, a faith that lasts? Dare to believe in God. Dare to argue with God. Dare to share your life with someone near. Let's pray together. Gracious and holy God, you, we are nothing without your grace and your mercy. Thank you. We know that the world has shifted around us like an earthquake. The world we once knew is no longer. But you are faithful. You are good. You hold us in your hands. You call us by name. By the power of your Holy Spirit, may you help us and keep us and call us to deeper faith in you, deeper love for others, and deeper connections with those in our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and in all the other places we might connect with others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.